Beautiful Anonymous is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Hello to everybody who's dancing on the waterfront. It's beautiful and on this one hour. One phone call, no names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one. I think it'll be more fun. And I'll get to know you and you'll get to know me. Hi everybody, it's Chris Gethard. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're healthy. I hope you're safe. I hope you're happy. Okay? I mean all those things. More than I've ever meant them before. Every other time, 200 plus episodes, if I've ever expressed those sentiments, it's been uh, real, but not as real as I mean it right now. Let's just get into it, right? This call, uh, it's the first one I recorded on my own, I believe. I was trying to figure out how to do it and connected with this person you know what's really good you know what silver linings you got to look for silver linings there's nothing good there's nothing good about all of us being stuck while this disease unrolls and we just wait to see how it affects the world and and when we can emerge again but here's one thing is a lot of people are bored a lot of people are bored and it leads to conversations that just kind of go where they want just laid back human conversations humans talking to one another about whatever and that's what we ran into with this call. This person's a student. This person's a student who's uh, aiming to enter the world of photography. You can see that we wind up talking about some of our favorite photographers during the end. Because one thing I've realized doing this show is I'm someone who knows not a lot about anything, but a little bit about a lot of things. I think that's one of my superpowers in life. I know surface level information about a lot of topics and talk about that. I was also really shocked to hear about um, the intricacies and the moral quandaries of the art world. That's a world I've never been a part of and I've never known much about. And to hear about all the uh, internal dramas and politics, I found it quite interesting. I hope you do too. Enjoy the call. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello? 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 How's it going? It's good. How are you? I'm good. You're the first ever call I'm doing from my my home setup. Oh my gosh. Wow. Are you also working from home then? Yeah, I mean, uh, like everybody, right? We're, We're... Recording this on uh, Tuesday, March 17th, and uh, we're just being told to stick to our houses. So, that's really I'm re- cool. Recording actually. from home, yeah. Yeah, but most of Does my that work, like change the vibe? I, I think so. It's weird being in my house instead of a studio. I have to uh, resist the urge to get distracted. Jared's not here to hold my hand through the whole thing. <laughs> He's taught me a number of programs. Yeah, but I don't, I'm, I'm dumb. I don't know how to, I'm looking here at a focus right <laughs> interface box. I don't know how that works. Anyway, how are I you? I wouldn't either. I don't even know what those words mean together. Yeah. I'm good. I mean, this happened so fast. 
And I usually like, I have the number memorized. So whenever I see the Twitter notification, I just try it. But this time it was just like, oh, by the way, like a beeping, it'll start beeping and you'll be on the air. And I was like, oh, okay. And I like told my mom because she's sitting in the other room and we like listen to the podcast together. Oh, that's so, so nice. Yeah. Can I just ask, yeah. did you hear my iMessage ding? Could you hear that? No. Good. Okay. That's no. not recording. That's going to annoy me, but it won't record you. That's so nice. Tell your mom I said thanks for listening. I will, yeah. I feel like things like this are like so important right now. Just things that are consistent, like the podcasts that we listen to and like the TV shows we watch. So like, thank you for continuing to make things. Oh, I feel very lucky to do it. And I was just saying to Hallie the other day that, you know, I feel... um like really proud of this show that it's a lot, you know, the idea that I get to talk to people and that people get to feel like they're here overhearing real conversations. I'm like, ah, people aren't getting that right now. So I'm happy to provide. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think it's good. I mean, I just feel like, cause I like live on one side of the country and then I'm home for spring break, but now it seems as though I'm living with my parents for the indefinite future just because of the way that things are. So it's very weird. Oh. You're in New York, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's where I usually am. I don't know if that's like breaking any rules. Nah, I feel like I leaving the there rules. was like fleeing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the rules are meant to be broken, I guess. But yeah, I feel like I was like fleeing the apocalypse or something. Yeah, so you flew home coincidentally Crazy. and now you're not coming back. God bless you, because New York is yeah. scary right now. Yeah, I have like a roommate who's there and then everybody else is like, one of my roommates was on a study abroad. She just got shipped home. So she's back today, but she didn't end up going back to New York. She went like home, home. And then my other roommate isn't going back to New York. And then my other two roommates are on vacation, but they're like, they're from Washington. So they also can't go home. Cause it's like not necessarily a good situation there either. So I feel like it's going to be a while until we're all under the same roof again, which is kind of, it feels very like end of the world esque. Now, you can be honest, and I know she's on the, in the other room, so you can speak quietly if you have to. You're here. You're stuck with your folks. You can't go anywhere. Is that, how, is that a nightmare? I mean, I don't think so. It's kind of nice. Really? Okay. It's like, yeah. I mean, my parents both work a lot, so I'm kind of home alone just doing whatever I want to. And, like, one thing that's nice about where I am is, like, I have a car. So, like, I've drove just, like for the past few days there's my little brother driving his really loud car away because i'm sitting outside my window <laughs> um but i <laughs> um i like have just been driving a lot because i mean it's not like i'm necessarily stuck inside but i'm trying to do the like social distancing for the public thing but i'm going a little bit crazy so i've just been driving places which is kind of nice that is nice i don't know what, yeah i don't know what i'd be doing if i was in new york because it's like I mean, even like a normal day for me, I feel like I come into contact with at least 5,000 people getting to and from work, all that stuff. So, yeah, I'm, I've been home and my wife is home and we got our baby and we, you know, it's, he's 11 months old and we're in a one bedroom apartment. So you start to go insane rather quickly. So, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. So today we, um, my wife put him in the stroller and we all walked around the neighborhood for a while. But then I'm a maniac. So anyone who got within six feet of me, all these like uh, weird dad instincts were kicking in where I'm like, should I kick this person <laughs> in the chest until they're more than six feet away from my beautiful child? 
So I'm a very I'm a very paranoid uh, wreck out there in old New York City. I want to flee. I think I'm going to flee New York City. My next door neighbors <laughs> fled. I, oh really? Where did they go? They own a little land upstate, and uh, they're hanging out oh. there. And this the frustrating yeah. thing is we we're buying a house. I own a home in the woods in New Jersey, but it's a construction pit right now. I can't go there. Oh, it's a nightmare. Yeah, anyway, anyway. that ooh. So what do I need to know about you? What are we talking about tonight? Oh, gosh. I don't know. I feel like every time I've thought about, like, talking to you, I've been like, this is the agenda. But, like, right now it feels like nothing applies just because it is kind of a weird time. A week ago, everything was very normal. And now, like, my entire life has just, like, flipped on its head. Yeah. Like, it's kind of crazy. I don't know. Like, last Wednesday, I, like got out of my class and then I went and got a tattoo because I like found this artist on Instagram. They were going to be in New York. They're like, I'm doing appointments. Like come get a tattoo in my friend's apartment. And I was like, sure. In the midst of a pandemic, like why not? I'll get a tattoo. So then I like went to my tattoo and we talked about politics and coronavirus and like all of these very scary things. And then I got out and I got an email from my college. It was just like, so we're canceling the week after spring break. Like we don't know what we're doing, but we're probably going to do online classes. But like, everything will be open. Like the studio spaces will be open. And then I went home and my roommates and I were talking about how we're probably going to have to vote for the candidate we didn't want to vote for. And then within a matter of hours, it was like, Oh, they can't go to London. Cause there's like a travel ban. My one roommate who's on study abroad, like she's getting shipped home. Like it was just like the world fell apart. And then like my job, like I lost one job and then I lost another job. But yeah, I mean, it's kind of nice just like being home and pretending like that hasn't happened. Yeah. It's a bummer you don't get to vote for Tulsi Gabbard, though, the person you were planning on voting for. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Assuming yeah, that's who you speak of. Uh, who was your, what's your tattoo? Yeah. It's like this, it's kind of like the pattern on like a China dish, a flower sort of thing. It's on the back of my arm. Mm -hmm. It was like a stick and poke tattoo. Wow. And I had a couple of those like from being in high school and being. Uh-oh. Hello? I wonder. Oh, there, there you are. Where'd you go? Wait, hello. Okay. I, I don't know where I went. That was weird. I'm actually gonna climb back inside because there's a dog barking. Yeah, your audio <laughs> cut out for a second there I too. I don't know what that was about. I don't either. <laughs> um, yeah, but it was good. I was happy that I did it. I spent a little bit more more money than I was planning on, but. So you hear only... there's a pandemic. You hear okay, there's this global uh, disease spreading. I'm going to go meet a stranger in a random apartment and let them make me bleed as we're in close contact for hours. <laughs> yeah. I, this was like before it got too serious though. So I was thinking like, Oh, you know, like I, I'm young, like I'm not going to be affected, but now my perspective has changed a lot. Yeah. For me, it was when the NBA closed down their season. That's when I was like, Oh, that's billions of dollars. That's actually billions of dollars yeah. that people are choosing not to make. That's This is getting serious. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of funny because, like, I'm in art school, so I've been working on this project for the past year about, like, the feeling that the world isn't real. Like, I don't know if you ever feel that. Just that, like, it's too simple in a way. Like, I feel that way sometimes. And so <laughs> my professor emailed me, and she was like, I'm so excited to see, like, what your work ends up doing because, like, I get it now. And now I'm kind of like, this feels too real. Like, this is 
too complicated to not be real. Does that kind of make sense? Once you had a college professor show you actual respect as a human, you felt like the world was coming to an end? <laughs> yeah, to an extent. Well, it's funny because, like, I really love her, and she's great, and, like, she's been kind of, like, in the trenches with me, like, throughout this whole entire project. I'm a photo major, so I, like, have been putting pictures on the wall for, like, eight months just being, like, do you get it now? And everyone's like, no. <laughs> but then I like kind of had this like weird like breakthrough moment. But then like the world kind of fell apart because we won't see each other again. Because I'm doing like the whole all online classes thing now. And so I guess we'll just see. It's kind of hard to like think about making anything right now. You said that you're so a photo major, sure. like photography? Mm-hmm. Now, is it hard being yeah. a photography major in an era where every asshole has an iPhone with a really good camera on it? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny because I, I like that to a certain extent because it means that, like, everybody understands what an image is, if that makes sense. Like, I think that more than ever, people can, like, look at something and be like, oh, this is good or this is bad. I like being able to show people things and they're like, oh, wait, you are good at this. But then there's also, like, the very awkward conversations when I'm like at my retail job and people are like, Oh, what do you do? And I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm a photography major. They're like, Oh, let me show you my portfolio. <laughs> and they like take pictures of like, they're like hunting and stuff. I'm like, Oh, that's great. That's not necessarily what I'm doing, but that's great. <laughs> I, I respect everybody because it's something that I like enjoy a lot, but it's hard to kind of like explain to people what it like means to be a photographer in the art sense, I guess. Yeah, that's a that's a daunting one. And what type of yeah, what are you thinking? We thinking fa fashion photography. We thinking uh, nature photography down the line. What's the goal with this photojournalism? So, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, when I was like applying to schools, fashion photography was like what I really wanted. And then as I've gotten further into my education, I've kind of realized that like what I like about photography is talking about photography. And, like, kind of understanding people through it. And so I think what I want to end up doing is, like, teaching at the college level. But I'm not really sure. Like, there's kind of this expectation that to teach at the college level, you're, like, making gallery work. And you're, like, doing all these things. And you have this drive to, like, be in MoMA or whatever that looks like. And I don't really know if, like, that's what I want either. Because, like, that side of the art world gets a little bit messy when it comes to ethics just a little bit. And I'm sure people listening are like, oh, like that, that doesn't seem right. But there's a lot of like weird things that I want to know what you really mean. Know what are the ethics? What are the MoMA ethics? <laughs> well, like there's a lot of like really kind of complicated things with like where the money for the art world comes from, um, especially like with those big institutions. I know that the Guggenheim is really closely tied with the Sackler family. And they're the ones that basically like, invented the opioid crisis in america in terms of like prescription opioids Whoa, really? and so like oh, the Guggen yeah. i'm writing that down yeah, the guggenheim so is the opioid museum <laughs> yeah out. sure in like simple terms watch out there's for the this Guggenheim. artist um why am i forgetting her name right now but she did ballad of sexual dependency she's a photographer um and they basically did this entire thing where like people who experienced opioid like any type of um, addiction, basically, from, like, prescription opiates, they went into the Guggenheim. And, like, you know how it's kind of that big, like, circular kind of, like, 
rotunda. Yeah, like a parking they, garage like, went on every Yeah, yeah. They went on every single floor and they threw prescriptions like down into the lobby. Back in like October, maybe like 2019, 2018, I can't remember. But that was like a whole entire like demonstration kind of against the system. And there was a whole thing this year with like the Whitney biennial um, and like a guy who was like, I'm not really sure on the exact details of this, but a guy who was on their board was basically part of like funding money to get weapons into like the Middle East. And then like this video group made this video about it. It was kind of like convoluted from the outside. Like I wasn't really sure what was happening. I just knew it was bad um because like money was getting into the hands of artists but it was kind of coming from these like quote-unquote like dirty sources <laughs> i had no idea <laughs> then, i had no idea that so much art was funded yeah. by gun runners and opioid kingpins <laughs> who knew yeah i mean i definitely it's kind of one of those things where it's like oh these good things are coming out of these bad things can we still call them good and i think part of me wants to just be like yes fund art however you can and then the other part of me is like, oh, this is really messy. Like, I don't know if I want to participate in that. Yeah, speaking as an artist yeah. myself, like, I am I feel very lucky that I've hit a point in my life where I make money. That's a nice thing that I can pay my rent doing art. But if I found out the money was coming from, like, the same people who lock up kids on the border, I wouldn't be thrilled about that. Yeah. And so it's kind of, I feel like it kind of depends situationally, like, what you're doing with the money like it's I don't know it's really complicated and it's also just kind of hard because it's like there's a lot of like smoothing that goes on like I have an internship right now and like a lot of my job is like go through all these pictures from like this big party we had and make sure that they're good pictures of these people we're going to email them because they donated sixty thousand dollars to us Whoa. and it's just like I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm like debating if I should like jump the turn style. And I'm like, do I even have enough money to like buy myself lunch today? And then I'm like, Oh my God, $60,000. Like that's so crazy. Now you say the word yeah. like a lot and I, I'm going to call something I out because you do, you say like constantly it's, it's a ceaseless stream of it. <laughs> I, I do. don't, I don't care. But there's going to be people I, online going, this, I can't listen. This person says like too much. And I just want to point out, you're talking about something really fascinating about all this sort of like dark underside of the art world. And there's going to be people who go, I can't listen because the caller said like too many times. And I'll just say, yeah. I don't think that's cool. But I also get the sense that you might be a little nervous and therefore the likes are coming. I, it's a really bad, <laughs> it's a really bad nervous habit. And before the world fell apart, I was in this public speaking class and the professor, she was beating it into me and I got really good at it for a while where I wouldn't say it. Uh -huh. But now that I'm like back home and it's just like back into my vernacular, it's hard to get it out of your head, especially when you're nervous. Oh yeah. Well, I don't, but, yeah. I just want to point out that I don't care, but it does sometimes make me giggle when I see comments from people like this person said this one thing too much and I couldn't listen. And meanwhile, they're talking about a fascinating thing. So the Whitney gun runners, Guggenheim opioids. What else? Who's, who's running yeah. the natural history museum? <laughs> I don't know. I like to think that that's maybe the most pure of the institutions. Mm. Maybe that's my personal bias. Mm, the blue whale. Yeah. I like that one. I really like, um, which one? Oh my gosh, my, my oh, Mama PS One is great. That's probably my favorite. Out in Queens. Institute. Yeah. 
Yes. Do you go to the book fair? Well, I haven't been to the book fair, but I'll tell you what I have done a couple of times. For anybody who's listening, PS1 is this really great space in Long Island City, Queens, and they do a lot of great things. But one thing they do is these outdoor summer dance parties. And I've been to a couple of those. Oh, yeah. Because you might be surprised to hear that I'm a very good dancer. This is a little known fact about me amongst beautiful <laughs> anonymous fans. But I, I can really uh, I can really get down. It's how I wooed my wife, actually. I feel like a lot of people right now are shocked. I bet there's a lot of people going, you're a good dancer? Yeah, I am, actually. Great dancer. Don't know any dance moves. But I know how to summon a sense of physical shamelessness when I'm on a dance floor. It's the surprising thing about me. Oh, there's all sorts of surprises to come when we get back. Don't go anywhere. Beautiful Anonymous is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. All right, I hope you enjoyed that nice break from the proceedings. Now let's get back into the phone call. This is a little known fact about me amongst beautiful <laughs> anonymous fans, but I, I can really uh I can really get down. It's how I wooed my wife, actually. And they have these outdoor summer dance parties. I've been to, to two of them. One was great, so fun, like a truly joyous, fun New York memory. And the other one, it was just too crowded. That was the other one. So that's yeah. my, that's my fun story. As I speak to you, I realize I sound very old. Me being like, I go and cut a rug at a dance party. That's what I sound like. Right now. I do the I don't jitterbug. Think so. No, I. <laughs> There's something that you said that kind of struck me, where it's the New York balance, where it has to be enough people, where you're like, oh yes, like I am in New York City, but then it can't be too many people to where you feel like you're in Midtown. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It has to be. In that perfect kind of area. Yeah, a lot. You're um, right. A, a, a lot of fun situations in New York. It, it's you're kind of like if there's not enough people here, it's not fun. It doesn't have that New York energy. But the second I feel another human being's sweat on me, I'm out. Let's get out of here. Yeah, but then there's also kind of those memories where you're in these really iconic places, but it's just you and a few other people. Um, like I remember this night a few months ago, or actually it was a while ago, because it was the beginning of summer of last year, my friends and I just randomly were like, we should go see the world. So we went to the Manhattan Bridge, Dumbo area, and we went under, like, there's all those stores right there on the waterfront, and there was nobody there. And it was kind of insane, because it was just us. And we just danced around, and we're kind of stupid, and it was great. And that was a good New York memory, too, just because nobody was in the way. New York City still has those moments, man. It really does. I'm leaving. I've lived here over 15 years, and I'm cooked. I got the kid. I want to raise the kid someplace mm-hmm. a little more uh, peaceful and quiet. But it's uh, you know, New York City. They've said it for a while. It's it's a city for the young. It's not even a city for the rich. It's a city for the young. Every once in a while, you find yourself dancing on a waterfront, and there's nobody else, and that's such a good feeling. Such a good feeling. That's not my life yeah. anymore, but I got a hundred versions of that story. I love it still. Sometimes I'll do stand up, and if I do really well, every once in a while, you know, you, you walk home. Maybe it's been like, maybe it's raining 
or it's really cold and you're just out there and there's no one else out yeah. there. And I'm like, I just lived my dream in New York City and now yeah. I get to walk to the subway and feel like I own this town because I did 15 minutes that people mm-hmm. liked. New York still has that. It's the <laughs> best. It's a great feeling. Yeah. Yeah, I like that about it. I also enjoy the fact that you can leave a space like that but be kind of anonymous too. Oh, that's the best. I like, I work... Yeah, I work in this job where I'm talking to people all day, selling stuff, and people come back and they like remember my name and I feel like I rock it every single day and it's really, really great. But then I also get to get on the subway and nobody talks to me and I get a moment of silence before I head home to my three roommates who I love a lot, but it's a moment of silence that I really enjoy. It's not like anybody notices you. It's really great. I love it. It's, I, it's, you know, when my TV show was on, I really learned it was a, a double-edged sword because I was so proud of the show, but then people started recognizing me on the streets and I learned, I don't, I didn't mm-hmm. like it. I like New York because it's anonymous. I like, like when you go to a Knicks game, you're in Madison Square Garden with 30,000 other people, I think something around there. And mm-hmm. then the second the game's over, you leave and you're just another, you're just another jerk walking up 8th Avenue. And it's like this, you can have a, a gathering of 30,000 people in the center of this city. And it's just, it has no effect on the, just the flow and the pace. It's just another thing happening that night. It's really amazing. I want some, yeah. you'll like this story. I, oh no, go for it. You go for it. Well, I, I just am scared that because of what's happening now, it's going to take a while for that to kind of regrow, I guess, oh, or yeah. become normal again. But I'm also not there, so I can't necessarily speak to what it's like right now. Well, I can. And I'll tell you, just even walking around my neighborhood, there's tons of restaurants. My neighborhood's kind of known as a food destination. And restaurants aren't allowed to be open right now. So you're seeing a lot of handwritten signs. Delivery still open. Takeout still open. One of my favorite restaurants. Mm -hmm. So a big sign that said, please, uh, we are not totally closed please call in. We want to provide the neighborhood with food. Like a lot of, lot of businesses shutting down and uh, it's scary, yeah. you know, and I'm very blessed. I'm very, very lucky. I've had a good life and I've always been smart about saving money when I make it. That being said, I found out today I had a call that most of my touring dates on the year are going to be canceled. I have a TV hosting Ooh. gig that the whole show might get canceled. I'm like, this is over. This is like a, a year's salary that might go away in a day. And I'm lucky. I can weather that hit. Yeah. I'm I'm not someone who's a bartender, depending on those tips. I'm not someone who's, you know, uh in uh, in the in the trenches of the service industry. I can only imagine the fear right now. Um, because I'm feeling Yeah, it. well also just the idea of like how much planning goes into stuff like that. And then one thing to kind of just take it over and cancel everything is crazy. It's wild. It's wild. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of hard. I just hope that people take from this what they can and like realize how fragile things are, I guess. I think the world that we live in. Yeah. Very, very fragile. Our economy is fragile. Even our immune systems can be fragile. Yeah. It's, very, very crazy. Now, what's the dirt on the new museum? You know, the new museum down on the Bowery? <laughs> I do. Yeah, I actually have never been. And I feel kind of like a fake art student 
because I've never been. Because that's kind of like the hipster. But, that's like the hip tastemaker museum, right? <laughs> it is. Yeah, I've walked by it 100,000 times. I just haven't had the chance to go in. Now, I've heard good things, though. Do you want to know how I know that that's the hip tastemaker museum? Of course. Many years ago, when I was a young and single man, living in my era of life where I still danced on the empty Brooklyn waterfronts, so to speak, <laughs> I did stand-up one night in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, and a very, uh, very attractive young lady came up to me after my set and said, good set, and then kind of hung out and was smiling at me. And, uh, and then I said, all right, uh, thank you so much. Good night. Cause I'm an idiot. And then when I was driving home, I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, I think, I think she was flirting. And then she sent me a message on Facebook and said, Hey, I'm, I talked to you after the show. And I said, I think I did. I re I think I might've really messed that up. And she said, I think, yeah, you did. <laughs> and we wound up going on some dates. She explained to me, yes, you, you really had a chance there. I was really, uh, actively trying to flirt and you very clearly did not get it because you're dense. But we wound up dating for a while. We wound up dating for like a month or so. And after, I think after our second or third date, she had mentioned to me that she worked at the news, the new museum. And then I finally Googled her name and she was like very, very high up in the food chain oh my of God. the New York art world. She was someone who could like snap a finger and make a career. And uh, I, I'll tell you. That's crazy. I know. And I really, the relationship ended poorly because... I could not figure out for the life of me what someone of this stature saw in me, um, a comedian who at that point was still sleeping in a room in Woodside with a, a no closet <laughs> in a bed that was just a disassembled Ikea loft frame on the ground. I couldn't for the life of me figure out what was going on there. I feel like that's what New York dating is, though. It's like the great equalizer. Talk to me about this. Explain what you mean to the people who are not New Yorkers. <laughs> Yes. I mean, I feel like even in big cities, this might be true. I have yet to survey anybody on this, but I feel like I always see very attractive people with people who dress like librarians. Like, mm. I don't really get it. Mm. But after I talk to the librarian-esque person, I understand it more. Mm. Um, I'm working for this woman who is an angel, A, and B, beautiful. It's kind of ridiculous. And we have this big event and she was dressed in this like Dior sequin ball gown. And he came in wearing like the plaid tweed professor jacket and these big square black glasses. And he has kind of this big unkempt beard. And they were just so in love and it was great. And I was just kind of questioning like, how did you guys meet? But then it's New York City. So I'm like, oh, of course he probably, they met in that same situation, you know, where one of them had no idea who the other was. And now you're at a gala. Now, in your librarian outfit, let's be clear. In the story you just described, the guy where you were like, I can't believe my beautiful dynamic boss wound up with him. You basically <laughs> just described me, but with a beard. You do know that. Well, I want to, I want to be clear that I'm the librarian as well. <laughs> Got it. Okay. So we're on the same team. We're on the same team. I mean, I feel like, the, I feel like everywhere I go with my wife, people must be thinking, what, how, how did this happen? she's the best. She's the coolest person in the world. And then I'm sitting here like bump, bumping into walls and being like, oh, we better get home. The F, the F train is running delayed tonight. It's the worst. I make everything less fun. Are you an MTA alert person? 
M- you get the alerts on your no, phone? No, if I had if I had the MTA alerts on my phone, I'd just I'd be balled up in the fetal position in the corner every day. Okay, that's I can't fair. with the MTA. Age like president, yeah. Yeah, maybe they'll use yeah, this shutdown I, to fix these trains. That's a, maybe now that people aren't allowed to leave their houses, they can actually fix cool. these trains. I'm an old yeah, crank. I keep getting I keep getting the like coronavirus text alerts for New York City. And they keep saying, please stop telling people that transit is shut down. That is not true. And I just can't even imagine what's going on over there because of the alerts that I'm getting. Yeah, it, um, it really is I do is kind wild. of have a question. Yeah. I have a question for you. How did you meet your wife? I don't know if I've ever heard that story. I don't know if I've ever told it on the show, and it's a damn good story. <laughs> okay, I'm ready. So... A lot of beautiful anonymous listeners are aware that I have done a lot of uh, strange comedy over the years. Not just comedy, but like very strange performance arty stuff. And it's become a real source of joy to me that I now have separate fan bases that are not interested in the same things. Like I have these weirdo comedy fans that like (laughs) experimental comedy. And then I have people who enjoy thoughtful conversations. And they're not always the same people. So when the Chris Gethard show began, it was a show at... Uh, the Upper Citizens Brigade Theater. This was before we were on public access TV. And it became a very hot mm-hmm. show. It was impossible to get a ticket. And uh, I'm very proud of that. You know, we had a good thing going. And the boys in the band, the house band back then, um, they had a friend who used to ask them, to say, can you get me tickets? Sneak me in. And it was Hallie. And I was aware of Hallie because she was the lead singer of a band called The Unlovables, who are one of my favorite bands. They, I bought their CD at, Un- at Record Store Union Square, them and the Ergs, on the same day. Like, I remember it. And it's a, like, I was a legitimate fan. So all of a sudden, I'm like, Hallie from The Unlovables is at my show. What's going on? So she used to come quite often. And there was one uh, edition of our show at UCB where it was a, it was a charity show where if you donated enough money, you could make people on stage do degrading things. So uh, we hit 500, Ooh, 500. I like that. Yeah, it was wild. We raised $9,000 <laughs> for the March of Times. But oh, there, my God. One of the things was at $500, I would, I would host the show naked. And I expected that to never happen because it was a bunch of New York County fans. <laughs> but it happened very quickly. So the bulk of the show, I was hosting it naked, <laughs> and I was covering my naughty bits. And at one point, so it was really packed out and uh, the band had snuck Hallie in and she was sitting pretty much directly behind our drummer and I hadn't realized it. And I turned around, made eye contact with her in the middle of the show and I was naked, just covering my junk and I just went, (laughs) oh, you're here? And she just looked at me in confusion. And that is technically the first time we ever spoke. That's so romantic. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Now, that's actually like a really good story. That's a New York dating story right there. I was doing performance yeah. art comedy naked on stage and noticed the lead singer of one of my favorite <laughs> punk rock bands sitting there in uh, concern. In the crowd. Yeah. Now, how yeah, about- that's crazy. I guess, so I um, have, I guess maybe a request for advice then mm-hmm. because I've been going to this free comedy show with one of my friends for like, months and i have a crush on one of the people in the group it's like a sketch comedy group and it's a very new york free comedy show it's in the basement of a weird bar and so we've been talking about it for months and i'm just like i don't know like how do i talk to him do i just keep staring 
So what is your professional <laughs> advice from <laughs> on, the other side? <laughs> on how to date a sketch comedian. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, first of all, I'm sure you've done enough internet stalking. Is this person single? Yes. Okay, so we have allegedly a, a verified single situation. Well, look, okay, uh, all right. Chris Gethard's advice on dating a comedian: first of all, don't. It's a bad <laughs> idea. They're tragically insecure people. They're emotionally damaged, uh, especially someone in sketch. This is someone who's, uh, you know, a part of a larger group. Why are they not putting their own words out there via stand-up? Who knows? Anyway, I kid about that. But, but look, this is going to be an emotionally stunted person. And how do you know how old he is? Uh, probably like around my age, like early 20s. Early 20s. So let's say he's 24. He'll have the emotional capacity of a 15-year-old boy if he's a 24-year-old male sketch comedian. He'll be unable to function Is there like socially. a conversion chart? There is. That I could use? Yeah, there is. You, you, okay. <laughs> you, divide it, you divide it by half. And the, you divide it by two and then you add three back on. So if he's 24. Okay. Yes, he's got the emotional abilities of a 15-year-old boy. Um. So okay. I would say be pretty direct. He's still going to drop the ball because he's a 20-something <laughs> sketch comedian. And just, you know, be real, be pretty direct and, and brace yourself for what will invariably be uh, an uncomfortable experience full of uh, dating someone with uh, self, messed up self-esteem issues coupled with a complete need for attention all the time. This is someone who wants to be laughed, you know, get laughs all the time and yet is invariably insecure. So good luck. Yeah. I mean, in my apartment, we had a list of rules for a while that was noting actors, musicians, comedians, or salesmen. And it was a double red flag if they were two of those. And then I broke the rule and it went bad. But you did. Salesman, actor, salesman, musician, or comedian. Which one did you date? Yeah, actor and musician. Actor and musician, same one or two different people? Same one. Oh, yeah. and you dated an actor slash you dated a slash an actor slash musician. Slash, yeah. You can't date a yeah, slash. Yeah, even worse because he was a he was a childhood actor, Ooh. so there's like autumn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was a wild ride, though. And I mean, it's kind of funny because I like we met through Tinder, which is very, I think, typical of stories right now, mm -hmm. um, especially like college city scene. And so we like met on Tinder and then we went on a date and I was like, ooh, I didn't like that. So I stopped talking to him and ghosted him, but I'd never ghosted anyone before. So I felt really bad. But then Halloween rolls around It's about two months later. I drank tequila seriously for the first time because um, I, I don't like salt. But then somehow I ended up <laughs> consuming a lot of tequila. <laughs> I got lost inside my own apartment at my own party. And then I was trying to call somebody else, actually called him. And then somehow that led to us dating <laughs> for a period of time. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's kind of crazy because then like while we were dating, I found out one of my other friends had dated him. And that's another very specific thing about New York, just general city dating, is everyone has dated the person that you're dating. And you kind of just have to accept it. Especially when you're dating a slash. That's what I've realized. Ooh, so they now get I'm around. Like, These slashes, actors, musicians, <laughs> men about town. Anybody who has a yeah. headshot. You got to yeah, be careful I, dating anybody who has a headshot, let alone ooh. two. Let alone two. I like the simplicity of that.
Yeah. Yeah. Just be careful. Just as a general first date question, can I see your headshot? Oh, I don't have one. Okay, then we're good. Yeah, phew. You passed the first test. You passed the first test. (laughs) And now when you're dating an actor slash musician, is it is it an emotional roller coaster driven by a narcissist or am I or am I painting this guy with a bad brush? That's actually surprisingly accurate. Uh, (laughs) I don't know. It was kind of it's kind of like a really good story because the movie he was in is actually like pretty well known by people. Um, so like, there's, there's like a pretty recognize. <laughs> there's a very recognizable soundtrack to it. And every once in a while I'll be at work and one of the songs will come on and everyone's like, go to the back and change it. Um, and Wait, I'm like, that okay. Your name? Did you just say your name? Oh yeah. Ooh, we'll bleep I it. Did. We'll bleep it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, insert generic name here. Yeah, and so I run to the back and I always change it, and everyone knows that song. And it's kind of weird too because he would always put that on playlist. So they tell you to go yeah, back. So he's is... always putting songs on a mixtape that's in the soundtrack of a movie he's in. Yeah, isn't that kind of weird? At the time, I would think I was just so like blind and naive. But then after I took a step back after things went downhill, I was like, ooh, that is kind of a little strange. Like, yeah. <laughs> did you ever watch the movie he was in with him? No, it was kind of weird because I went on like my second first date with him after the tequila incident. Sorry, this is becoming like a very weird ex-boyfriend episode. But, I'm into it. Um, I like to think it's an interesting story. Yeah, I like came home from um, our second first date and I know that he doesn't listen to the podcast so everything is safe. How are you um, certain of that? You but, specifically asked him if he listens to Beautiful Anonymous and he says, I would never... <laughs> Well, it was part of a conversation we had. I was like, you should listen to this. And he was like, I'm not really a podcast person. And that was the beginning of the end. Yeah, Um, yeah, we like went on our second first date and it went really well. And I was like, oh, like, what are you working on? He's like, oh, I'm like recording a TV show for like, blah, 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 blah. So when I came home and my roommate was like, how was it? And I was like, he kind of made this weird like comment about working on a TV show. And she's like, I wonder if he has an IMDB. So I gave her his name. She was like, oh, oh my God. You I'm so stop sorry. saying your name. Uh, I, I only refer to myself in the third person narrative, I guess. I don't know why. And you um, have an extraordinary, we're going to bleep it. So I can also say you have an extraordinarily specific <laughs> name. It is a very specific name. Um, it's a blessing and a curse. But yeah, uh, she told me that he was in this movie. And I told her I had never seen that movie before. So we ended up watching it, which was just an out of body experience having just started dating that person and then i <laughs> secretly started watching the show that he was on at the time too wow. which was super weird and i had to stop because it made me so uncomfortable so some people will very like, strange some people will like social media do the background you're actually watching this person on the big screen <laughs> and small screen yeah the silver screen all of them all the screens um, it was all the screens yeah it was very weird but i feel like it's um, uh, an experience that left me with a lot of good stories. So I'm happy to say that I went through it. I have a, the friend who also dated him. We have a lot of shared funny stories about him, which we talk about a lot. So that's fun. That, yeah, that's nice after but, a breakup to have somebody else already in your life who can share the breakup stories about that person. That's got to be good. Sharing those breakup stories. I bet we all just took a deep breath and said, I. I know the person in my life I share the breakup stories with. Ponder that. Ponder many more things. We'll be taking a break. Think about your life and the relationships of the people you know and that you love. We'll be right back.
Beautiful Anonymous is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Okay, that was our final break, so that means it's time to finish off the conversation. That, yeah, that's nice after a breakup to have somebody else already in your life who can share the breakup stories about that person. That's got to be good. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that there's something to be said about, you know, sitting in a restaurant and just being like, oh yeah, like he was kind of weird about that one specific genre of music. Or like, yeah, why didn't we ever go get Indian food? Like, that's suspicious. Like, <laughs> just like weird things like that. All right. All right. Now, is your mom still in the other room? I actually don't know. She was on the phone with somebody, and now it seems like it's darker upstairs. I don't know where she went. I'm going to have to tell her not to listen to this episode, though. No, she's got to listen to it. Because I was just gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna, I was going to ask if she could get on the phone so I could be like, hey, you raised a real good kid. Real sweet, Should nice I go person. Try to find her? I would love to talk oh, to her. Oh, thank you. I don't know where she is. Let's see. I'll go on the little. She might be downstairs. Well, so why's your brother got such a loud car? He works at like a car shop, and so that's what they do to stay out of trouble. Is they just like cut pipes off. I don't really know. So he's one of those like fast and furious guys. He does uh, street racing stuff. Yeah. Um, Chris, Chris wants to talk to you. <laughs> she's gonna hang up the phone with the person that she's on. <laughs> I hope she's on a different okay. phone-based podcast <laughs> and choosing mine over that. Yeah, I hope so too. Hey, yeah. Hey, Chris. Hey, I ho- were you on the phone with another podcast? Like, are you hanging up on Reply All right no. now to speak to me instead? No, I was talking to an old friend that came in town because a a friend was. Uh, was diagnosed in the hospital with some pretty bad stuff, and so I oh, was no. talking to him on his way home. I'm here. Yeah. I'm here making jokes, and it instantly gets serious. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's 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 a common occurrence in our house. Actually, it's kind of sad. Don't make it sad. Well, I didn't mean to make it sad. Now, yeah, instantly sad. Instantly, I just wanted to say instantly I've been talking sad. to your daughter for 43 minutes, and she's a real sweet kid, and you did a good job as a parent. You know what? One of my proudest parenting moments was like, hey, here's this podcast called Beautiful Anonymous. You should listen to it. And she started listening to it. You convinced her. I did. I did. I'm 50 years old. And I told my 20-year-old beautiful daughter who now lives in New York to, oh, she does not. She already told me. (laughs) Also, just so you know, she's out here dancing on the Brooklyn waterfronts with nobody around. She's telling me about this. You know, she is her own person, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's a good one. She seems like a real good egg. She is. She is fabulous. She's, she's one of the best things I ever did. Now, as someone who's only 11 months in, you're 20 years in, what are the secrets? What do I got to do to raise a good kid? Well, I have two. I have a son as well who will be 18 in a, in a week or so. I've heard and, this kid's um, car, by the way. His car's a little loud for my liking. I- I heard, yes, that freaking car. I heard it pull into the driveway, <laughs> and it was noise pollution level. 
in our house, we, we text, you know, get home and then he'll come home and I'll be like, shut that car off. The neighbors hate us, you know, because <laughs> it's, it's so loud. And I, I, he has to come home early because if he pulls up, he wakes us up with a stupid car. But, you know, that's the parenting. Um, we are really open and we talk to them about everything and we have a great sense of humor and tease a lot. A lot of teasing. Yeah, a lot. of te- Yeah, we are awful. Awful? What kind of teasing? Well, how do you tease yeah. each other? Well, like... Like I was, I was asleep the other night and my husband came home, came in the dark room and then just put his phone on bright and just put it in my eyes while I was asleep so that he could wake me up. I would and, uh, literally destroy someone if they did that to me. I would, I would fly out of bed so furious. I can't even explain how angry that would make me. So I said something like, um, it was pretty rude. I said, I said something like, fuck off, leave me alone. Sorry, Sally. (laughs) And, um, and then he turned around and he said, you sound like Sylvester, the talking cat. So I don't know if you guys watched that, those videos, but Sylvester, the talking cat is hysterical and he has a foul mouth. And apparently now I, I talk like a cat. (laughs) I'm taking the phone away. That was an eye-opening look into another side of your life. Yeah. <laughs> and now she's following me. Do you do you torment your parents the way they torment each other? Yes, yeah. <laughs> How so? What kind of stuff are you doing to them? I mean, I'm like really into TikTok right now. <laughs> I don't I'll understand that at all. I do not understand <laughs> at all what TikTok is. I didn't either until I downloaded it. And it's like such a smart algorithm that you'll get it in like seconds. Yeah, but if I go on there, people are just going to be like, you're old. You're like Gen X. What are you doing it's, here? It's kind of crazy. Like I follow a lot of like 80-year-old people on the app because I love them. There's 80-year-olds on TikTok? Yeah, there's this one guy who like, I can't remember what his username is, but he just like shows us how to cook things. <laughs> oh, cooking with Steve. Cooking with Steve. Yeah. Do you have me on great. speaker? Like, Is this you and your mom on speaker? Yeah, I'm trying to get her to like <laughs> leave <laughs> nicely. Um, no, wait, you were also a lot of really great. Oh no, there's also what? Go ahead. I was gonna say you were explaining there's to me ways in which you've tormented your mom. Oh yeah, I'm stealing my clothes. Yeah, I steal my mom's clothes and when I'm home, home and her makeup. Um, but yeah, I mean. Friendly things. We play bingo. Putting water down so I slide out the door. <laughs> well, we play bingo when I'm home and we all just like make fun of each other while we play bingo. But, I don't know. It's the little things, I guess. That's a dream. That sounds like a dream. That sounds fun. Yeah. I'm going to pull all sorts of practical yeah. jokes on my son. All sorts of pranks and gotchas. Yeah, you, you think so? Yeah. See, my yeah, f- I feel like I grew like a very tough skin because my parents were like always joking. See, I feel like my parents, I feel like my family, we used to mess with each other and it would, it would end with someone like me throwing a punch at my brother or him smashing a glass in the wall above my head. Me and my brother just fist fighting our way through our entire childhoods. Yeah. I don't know. See, I just have one younger brother and I think the like 
older sister, younger brother dynamic is very different than the like two brothers dynamic. Same with the two sisters dynamic. It's yeah. Do you think you're going to have more kids? Is that? Nah, I think I'm one and done. I'm pretty old. I'm already having trouble. That's fair. Yeah, I'm already having trouble picking up this one little guy. So I, I also kind of <laughs> think. Well, I also kind of think that, uh, like, I know my capacity as a human, and if I can get it right once, that I'll be very happy about that. And I don't believe in myself enough to think I can get it right twice. <laughs> I'm envious of those who can. Yeah, I think I respect that outlook. I mean, it's important to kind of understand like what your tolerance is. I think and, so. I'm just trying to get it right with this yeah. one little dude. Yeah, I think you're doing a good job. Yeah, From the thanks. few like episodes I've watched where there's been talk about it. Thanks. That's awful nice of you. Yeah. Hey, is your brother yeah. around? I, mean, I, I want to talk to your brother about this car situation. <laughs> He's gone. I don't know. He started dating a neighbor girl. Um, what? Drama. And they're just, yeah. Uh, what? I said drama. Yeah, uh, the drama is definitely there. But they are basically back and forth between our house and her house. And I think right now they're on the her house rotation. And how old is your brother? So he's about to turn 18. Uh, so we got a 17-year-old boy with a loud car and a neighbor girl. That's, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a Springsteen song in action right there. Yeah, I was going to say every Tom Petty song. It was live action before my eyes. Look at that. Look at that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think I, it's, that's one of the things that's also kind of nice about being home is I kind of get to, like, be back into the normalcy of it and, like, being able to, like, say goodbye to him before he goes to work and, like, seeing my parents and stuff. How long are you anticipating being trapped out of your New York life? <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, I feel like every day the, it changes. Just because, like, I saw a thing today that was saying, like, it's going to peak May 1st. But then I saw something else that was like, it might not peak until October. And, like, my classes have all been moved permanently to online. All of my studios are, like, closed. The campus is entirely closed. They kicked everybody out of the dorms. Um, I, like, live in an apartment. So, luckily, I can just, like, return to that at some point. But I'm not really sure when that's going to be, like, a practical option, you know? Man. We're all just yeah. stuck. I should have fled New York City when I had the chance. I should have grabbed everything and fled. Yeah. Man, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, like, should. I kind of had the chance to flee, but I did not pack well. I packed really? one pair of pants yeah. and two t-shirts. That's all <laughs> and, you brought with you across the country? And then, like, a bunch of camera gear. And that's, like, it. Because I was just like, oh, I'm going to be here for two weeks. I want to do some shopping. I'll, pick, I'll bring some stuff back from my, like, home closet. But now I'm kind of like, oh, now I'm, I'm here. I have, like, a prom dress I guess I could wear. I did do a Goodwill run, so I got a couple of things that I can wear for a while. But I definitely could have planned better. <laughs> That's my tip for fleeing the apocalypse is pack well, pack multiple outfits, mm -hmm. maybe multiple shoes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, what's your yeah. favorite thing to take? What's your favorite subject photography-wise? I do a lot of these, like, night landscape photos. So I'll drive down the highway, pull over. My camera is one of those, like, old-timey, you have to get under a cape 
sorts of situations. Really? Like with the flash um, bulbs? Yeah. I mean, I'm not usually using flash, but it's a large format camera, four by five. So you're telling me you pull okay. off on the um, side of the highway with your old timey camera and you put the cape over your head. <laughs> yeah. And then you're seeing the image upside down and reversed on this piece of glass. Um, and it's kind of nice because then you're basically just in charge of the shutter because the focus is done manually. Um, and then I just leave it there with the shutter open, usually for like 30 or 40 minutes. And I sit in my car and I scroll through TikTok and whatever. And I take the film out of the holder, whatever, and then move on. Um, so it's kind of like this really long, tedious process. But the way that the images look, it's kind of weird because it's like these like mountains and stuff. But then there's this like really ghostly light that's just very, very even over all of it, even though it's nighttime. But it's all moonlight and like car light, usually from the highway. Yeah. And it takes 40 it's, minutes from one I don't picture. Know. Yeah. And then any dickhead with an iPhone could crank out 150 of them in 30 seconds. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. There's just something about the quality of them that's very, very different just because it's kind of a marker of time. Photography is kind of interesting because I think there's a lot of philosophy that you can kind of press onto it if you want to. I'm interested in the theory of it. But, I mean, every image kind of holds a sense of time. And these images mark a time that you couldn't really see with your naked eye. Because they are 40 minutes long, but you're seeing it simultaneously all in this one image. So I'm kind of interested in how that functions. Well, but got I don't know. Fast. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't really know what's going to end up happening. I had to call a photo lab and just basically plead to them and just be like, I, I won't breathe on you, please. Are you guys going to stay open? And the guy was just like, I don't, I don't know. I'll let you know. So I'm hoping that those kinds of places can make it through this. Mm-hmm. and I'm still able to take pictures because I think that that stuff is kind of important right now. Like whatever is your normal, trying to kind of figure out what that can be right now. And that's very much my normal. So I'm trying to pursue that. And what's your favorite photo of all time that someone else has taken? Ooh, ooh, that's like a really hard question. I don't know. There's this guy named Todd Heido. <laughs> and if any of my friends listen to this, they're probably like groaning because I talk about him all the time. Um, it's T-O-D-D-H-I-D-O, and he takes all these pictures of suburban houses at night, and they're the same sort of situation, so it's like 30 or 40 minute long exposures, so the lights just seem like they're glowing. It's kind of crazy. You should look them up, and I really like them, so those are my favorites. I don't know if there's one of his that I really like, but they're all kind of in the same vibe. All right. I'll have to look that up. Yeah. I like Dorothea yeah, Lang really myself. Great. I'm a big Dorothea Lang. You know, you know Dorothea Lang. Lover, yeah. Really, depression. Are you gonna go? Yeah, are you gonna? Are you gonna go see the thing? They just did a show. I think it might be at MoMA. Of all of her stuff. No, I missed it. I'm a I'm an uncultured fool, and now there's an apocalypse upon <laughs> us, so I can't it, even go. Migrant mother. Migrant mother is a it, great photo. I know. It is. Yeah, it's kind of crazy because she was part of the FSA. So all those negatives are basically like government properties. So they basically allowed Sam Contis, who's this other photographer who's really, really great. They allowed her to reprint all of Dorothea Lange's photos. So it's a lot of like Dorothea Lange's original negatives being reprinted now onto like newer paper, that kind of stuff. So you get the original image in the best quality you really can. It's great. You know your shit. You're not messing around. 
no, no, not at all. <laughs> I mean, this is like literally my life, which sometimes scares me because I'm maybe like a little bit too into it right now. I might need to take a step back after I graduate, but yeah, it's why? something that I love. Wait, lot. why would you say that? Why, why do you need to take a step back from a thing you love? I sometimes I, cause like there's a lot of stories of people who go into these crazy, like master's programs, like the Yale program where they're so into it for like eight years or like however long that master's program is on top of the bachelor's program that they graduate and just like, don't take a photo ever again. Like it's kind of a scary, like photo folklore thing. So I'm kind of scared of that. Like the idea of like burning out cause I'm like so in it right now, but I, I don't think that'll happen to me. I hope not. Cause I can't name it. I can't, I just try. I just tried to drop some knowledge of like, well, I know who Dorothy Lang is. And you told me 18 <laughs> facts about her in 45 seconds. That's badass. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, no, she's great. I, Dorothy Lang is great. You should see that show. If, um, the I, world still exists. Yeah. I can't but see it now. Yeah. No, I, it's scary to think about. It but. is. Yeah, I'm sure that things will go back to normal at some point. I have, like, this kind of daydream I keep thinking about, about being on the ferry to Rockaway Beach and just being on top of that, chilling, everything is normal again. And I'm waiting for the day, so we'll see. Well, we'll all get there. I wonder how many calls are going to be. Yeah. Uh, marker and time. It's you know you described your photos as like capturing forty minutes of time in a still image, which I've never heard a photograph mm -hmm. described that way. Yeah, and I think that's really beautiful. And I feel like one hour at a time, I'm just gonna uh, capture how random yeah. bored people were feeling that night. <laughs> yeah, well, it's also kind of weird to think about like the idea of living through history. Like when your kid is taking a history class, like this document, this conversation is considered a primary document. Because we're both speaking about it in real time, yeah. And so, like, maybe we'll be in a textbook. And he'll like he'll, that's he'll just turn to me one day and he'll go, "Dad, when you were that age, did people really use the word like that much?" And I'll say, "Son, cut her some oh slack." God, no. She was just nervous. She was just a little bit nervous. Cut her some yeah. slack. She was nervous. She doesn't necessarily know what she's talking about. Yes, she does. Give yourself more. Don't do that. Don't don't pretend you don't. You're I a smart person. We got 15 <laughs> seconds left. What's I your parting my, message to the world? Oh, gosh. Treat people kindly in this time of need. Don't be selfish because just because you have more of one thing, that means that other people have less of that thing. So just be nice. Caller, thank you so much. The uh, final parting words have wisdom in them, as did many of your words. And sorry I busted your... Uh, was busting you for saying the word like too much, but you come from a family of practical jokers, so I think it was fine. Thank you so much to Jared O'Connell. I hope I did you proud with this home recording. Thank you to Anita Flores for all your help with the show, Jordan Allen for all your help with the show. Thank you to Shell Shag for music. You want to know about me? No need to go to my website. There's no road dates right now. We're living in the apocalypse. Don't worry about it. Hey, if you like the show, go to Apple Podcasts, rate, review, subscribe. It really helps when you do. I'll talk to you next time.